Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. I think I'm ready. Your recording is going. And we're live. Miles. Steve. How are you, man? This Good, feels a little know, different. It is different. We normally record at night, but here we are on a Saturday morning recording. How's your morning? I know, normally, normally I'm drinking wine, tea, and water at night, but it's morning, so now I have water and coffee. No wine this morning? No wine. So but I'm a no little mimosa sober. with your uh, little Saturday brunch? You know, as I, I should have done that. I didn't even think yeah. about a mimosa. <laughs> I could see you doing a mimosa with your Saturday brunch. What's on I, what's on tap for, for brunch today? The other day when we were recording, you said, I'm going to go make a steak. And oh, my gosh, what you made was beautiful. You posted yeah, it, it was, on Instagram it, afterwards. It that was gorgeous. Awesome. It was awesome. I don't know what I'm going to do this morning or uh, uh, this this early afternoon. Um, I get, you know, I get Tiago normally gets here on Fridays, but he'll be here today after this. I'm going to pick him up. So whatever's going to be on the menu, I'm going to put in his hands. Whatever he wants me to make, I'll, I'll oh, make so whatever he wants. Tiago's and I'm cooking. making this and I'm making a Cincinnati bingo cake today. I just uh, Amazon just sent ah, the black and orange icing. So I'm going to so make a getting, Super Bowl you're cake. You're getting ready for the for the big game and supporting the Bengals because now you're an Ohio guy. I am a Bengal fan, baby, all there the way. You go. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know who also, um, she doesn't necessarily post pictures of her food, but if you follow her on Instagram, one of the things that I've noticed lately is she actually will... Uh, on her stories, walk through the food that she's eating and explain a little bit about the food, talk about the calories and what's healthy. And uh, well, this is Irina. She's going to be our guest today. And we're, we're really excited because this is actually, I know you know this, this is our first international podcast. Um, I know. Now, I know. we've been heard in many countries, in fact, for a period of time, and I have no idea how this happened. We are... Our top downloaded area was in Mexico, and I, remember um, that. Yeah. I don't I don't know why. For a couple of months, we were number one in Mexico, um, but God, I'm excited for this. Uh, this is the first time that we've actually talked to somebody who is literally uh, on the other side of the world from us. Uh, so that's we should, why we're we should, recording on Saturday. We should just pause for a second and let our egos swell that we're doing this today. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, we're, we're such a small podcast. I'm not sure how big the ego is going to get. Uh, it's as big as we let it get. We should just let it grow. This is international. Let's just, <laughs> we've Guys, arrived. Sky is the limit. Yeah, sky, sky is the limit. Is the limit. We you. have yes. arrived. <laughs> Irina is making us feel even better to be saying the sky is the limit. Well, and with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Uh, joining me from Oberlin, Ohio, is the most interesting man that I know, W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. <laughs> Glad to be here, Steve. And in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Like we mentioned, our guest today is Irina 
Ivanchenko, and I hope I said that right. I practiced it two or three times. Uh, Irina Ivanchenko completed her 500-hour yoga teacher training in India and 200-hour in Mexico. Combining both Eastern and Western approaches to teaching yoga, she has also participated in various yoga workshops around the world, including the USA, Mexico, Latin America, Europe, and India. Irina has been teaching yoga classes worldwide since 2013. Now get this, Miles, in English, Spanish, and Russian. Yeah, I know. That's I know. I was I was reading the bio, man. I was like impressed. And <laughs> before so you go good. on, before you go on, because I want to make sure that our listeners understand 500 hours in India. All right. This is not like Bob's yoga studio or something. Yeah. This yeah. is the yeah, motherland. Was... <laughs> that's so intense. I want yeah. our listeners to know that's a huge, huge, huge thing. 500 yeah. hours in the motherland of yoga. Well, yeah, and actually, I lived there for six months and that allowed me to deep dive into like studying it. Yeah. That's absolutely you made me, amazing. You made me feel bad. I have, I have 300 hours at Lifetime Studio and I'm proud of that, but I'm actually humbled by you. <laughs> yes. Well, there's more to this bio, Miles. But oh, in, in, in 2018, Irina moved to Saudi Arabia. And since oh then, God. she's been constantly developing, educating, and upgrading herself as a fitness professional. Irina is passionate about using different approaches and tools to improve the quality of life of her clients with the help of personal training, yoga, nutrition, Pilates, biomechanics, and functional neurology. And she actually has multiple certifications in each one of these areas. And what blew me away the most was multiple certifications and all of these trainings were done in different parts of the world. Irina, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm also very excited and I'm so happy to be your first international guest. Uh, thank you for this opportunity, guys. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, you know, technology fascinates me and I, we got connected on LinkedIn and I actually did something that I had promised myself I would never do because one of my biggest pet peeves is when people add me on LinkedIn, and then they message me right afterwards. And it's usually to sell me something. But when I read your bio, I was fascinated by the fact that you have these certifications and this training from multiple parts of the world. And I thought, I've got to send a message to, uh, to Irina and see if she would be a guest on the podcast. And that started a very fascinating conversation. And here you all are today. So uh, I took a risk at doing something that I said I would never do, which is add somebody on LinkedIn and message them immediately afterwards. But we're so fortunate to have you today. Yeah. Talk about getting educated in multiple countries. What has that done to form your overall perspective of health and fitness? Uh, it, it, um, it all started from yoga and uh, like let's say in uh, Western countries, like even in Mexico, fitness is well developed. So mm. back then yoga was enough for me as a tool. Yeah. But then I came uh, to Saudi Arabia and, uh, and this is very particular country in the aspect that females and women, uh, they were not getting access to fitness. Like uh, they're, they're like 
even 10 years ago, female gyms were non-existent. They were non-existent. So if you are really? female in Saudi, wow. yes, yeah, that's impressive. So if you were a female in Saudi, and if by luck you have uh, educated parents with a good income, they can take you out to London, to somewhere else, to the States. So then you can go to the gym and see and hire a personal trainer or just start doing exercise by yourself. And um, so then uh, when I started working there, uh, I have faced a lot of girls, women, uh, 30s, 20s, 40s, 50s, who had no idea about fitness. And that that's what made me like, um, upgrade myself and have more tools to be able to to help them. So was this a cultural thing in Saudi Arabia or was it illegal for women to go to the gym? What why were people why were women not going to the gym 10 years ago? It's more it's it was more a cultural thing because uh, uh, it's very uh, kind of strict religious place and mm. And uh, women, uh, even like two, three years ago, women were not allowed to drive. But not really? because, um, really, really. I remember that. <laughs> yes. I remember. I did not yeah. know that. Wow. It's, okay. very, it's, it's very recent that uh, women can get a driving license and actually drive a car. Uh, but it's not uh, like in the cultural perspective, it's not something bad. It's to protect them and uh, like... All females here had a personal driver or, or someone who was driving them, a son, a husband, a father, someone, some male who was taking them everywhere. So our, that was out of protection. And uh, okay. only, yeah, it's more cultural. Yeah. And so as this, as the culture has shifted and you've been able to work with women, um, in Saudi Arabia and helping them with their health and fitness. What are some of the biggest challenges that you're finding? Um, I'm sure there was something that made you say, I've got to improve my education because I need to help people at a, at a very basic level if they've never had experience with this. So what were some of those initial challenges that you saw? Uh, it was a language barrier because not even all of them uh, were speaking English. Then it was, uh, how do I explain basics at a level that anyone can understand me, especially if I am teaching a class? So that was a big, big challenge for me. And uh, it's very, you know, now I think as a coach, I think it's so easy to go to someone who knows how to do exercise and you just have to encourage them just to make sure along the way that technique is all right, maybe to push, maybe to create some new program, ta, ta, ta. Uh, but here it's like taking a baby and learning the baby how to make first steps. So you have to be mm. quite careful with the baby. So that, and it's not a baby baby, it's a big baby. So right. that baby <laughs> won't, <laughs> the baby won't hurt uh, uh, himself or her, uh, herself let's say in in this particular case and then um uh, i was thinking uh, like sometimes you know when you are a long day and then you you run you are running out of patience and then how do you have this resource to be able to continue and 
explain the same basic thing over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have so to that was a big challenge. Yeah, did you imagine. learn how did you have to learn how to speak Arabic in the language of fitness to to coach these women? Uh, I learned um, uh, I learned like the <laughs> how to say right left in Arabic, right yeah that's what I mean how that's to I mean. say leg arm so and how to count <laughs> and how to count <laughs> I learned yes that. <laughs> <How to count. laughs> the international uh, language of a personal trainer is counting so how to count oh, yeah. in multiple languages <laughs> that's that's body, an interesting idea. Parts. So there's a there's a language in health and fitness that I think those of us that have been in that realm understand. We understand what a squat is, what a lunge, what a press, what a pull. Um, how do you? Yeah, but how do you say that in Portuguese? Right. How do you say that <laughs> to somebody in a totally different language? But also, how do you say that to someone who has never understood those concepts before? Where did you start? You don't. You don't say it. You can't say it because they will not get it. Mm. So you start with the uh, with breaking the movement into the like the steps. So from the ba the, the basic steps up to the progression. Yeah, there's no way you're going to be able to say, okay, we're going to go into a chaturanga uh, or shavasana or anything like that, and people are going to understand what's happening in the yoga. Yes, right? uh, exactly. And I could not even use the, the those are the Sanskrit names of the uh, of the yoga poses. So I could not even use those to teach them. So it was all by showing and somehow going before Corona, of course, going along uh, the girls and the ladies and just adjusting them, correcting them. And then it was very beautiful because I had the girls who were coming uh, to my classes for years. And then even though they were not speaking English and I was not speaking Arabic, we came to the point of synchronicity where like we knew the flow, they knew what to do. Uh, and it was yeah it was beautiful i'm very yes. happy i had the opportunity to be there like <laughs> mom, <laughs> yoga mom to be the mom yeah i love that yeah. <laughs> well i like how you're talking about that that synchronicity there is a there is a flow that i think verbal language uh, we can transcend that through movement i want to go back to something that you said earlier though when you said that um Starting from the basics and teaching people from the ground up, very basic movements and teaching them very basic um, concepts of health and fitness, that can be taxing on a person when you're doing that all day long because you keep going back to the same thing over and over again. What did you do to develop the patience or the compassion or the energy? to continue to teach those basics over and over again? Uh, for example, my mom and my grandma, they have no idea about fitness. Like the fitness they do is in the garden cultivating veggies and fruit. Mm. So I was imagining like this, this, this is my mom who came to the gym and it's her first time and she's scared, she's frustrated, she, she feels shy. 
um, and she doesn't know what to do. So <laughs> that uh, like switching uh, um, and connecting uh, to people to to the members like that to my clients it gave me like this uh, ability to to continue so it, it, having your mom get involved allowed you to see a different perspective and to say yeah okay my mom is going through this and this is like i i could relate i could relate yeah. what if uh, yeah what if one day my mom comes to some fit, uh, to some gym to some fitness facility yeah and imagine someone grumpy welcomes her on like whatever like this attitude like why would why would you even come here if you don't know anything so and i know like uh, i knew that a lot of them they didn't have even chance to to exercise before like what they were doing is uh, like trying to copy youtube videos That's, oh interesting yeah okay and so you've seen this progression as you've taught um, primarily women in, in, this, uh, in this space where they did not have the opportunity before. I want to go back to some of your education because you were educated in multiple countries. And I think, mm -hmm. uh, Irina, one of the things that's fascinated me is oftentimes we in certain parts of the world will think that, oh, well, we know this about health and fitness and we know that. The reality is that in the United States, while I believe that there's a significant amount of arrogance uh, relative to health and fitness, the United States has not been the leading experts when it's come to strength training. I think that the Eastern Bloc countries uh, have proven that they are far better at strength training. In fact, if you look at who's winning in Olympic training in the Olympics, uh, or excuse me, Olympic lifting in the Olympics, uh, Germany, Russia, uh, China, some of these countries have dominated the United States. And I think it goes to show that the, the training programs in some of these countries for decades are far better than what the training protocols that have been used in the United States. What were some of the similarities and also what were some of the differences that you saw when you went through training from different countries? um let's say um like for example yoga course in india it was kind of pro and uh, because uh, indian people because of the climate they are hyper mobile already like their joints are already hyper mobile by mm. nature okay. like and uh, and if uh, let's say we westerners start doing uh, the same yoga flow as Indians without a warm-up, we would break something or tear the joints, something would happen. So that's why I, I wanted to like take more Western uh, type of training because that would work for Indians perfectly. And uh, I had a lot of, uh, it was very beautiful in India, like a lot of philosophy, a lot of history, um, a lot of like some very cultural things, but it would not work for people who are sitting all day long in in the office. Yeah, and they, then they come to my yoga class. They don't want to hear about like enlightenment and whatever. They have a lower back pain. <laughs> yeah. Enlightenment can't happen when you have a lower back pain. Yeah, and yeah. The, the reason why they come to my class, they want to feel 
good. They want to feel better. They want to feel relaxed. They want to feel stretched. They want to get rid of the pain. So it would not work. Like uh, or sitting in the cross-legged position, you know, for twenty minutes would uh, would make that pain even worse mm. because they were already sitting. So that's why I, yeah. So uh, every I love taking course in uh, in the states because. Mm, I come from, I'm Ukrainian, so I come from the country, which is, let's, yeah, it's a kind of third world country where legal points are not so clear. It's always shadows, it's always like in gray zones, you can do mm. this, you can do that. Uh, a lot of coaches in Ukraine can prescribe something, for example, supplements, yeah. Um, and they are okay about it or they even though if they are nutritionists they can make a nutrition plan for you and tell you what to eat what not to eat so i i enjoy taking uh, uh, united states certification because now i am like i have like a lot of clearance what to do and what to do uh, and what not to do sorry with my clients because like uh, when I set my professional boundaries, I am safe, yeah? And then I say, I'm sorry, it's out of my scope of practice. I will refer you to the professional who is doing that. So uh, um, it helped a lot. Then, uh, for example, I just uh, recently completed reformer course. It's a Pilates, um, it's one of the Pilates, let's say, types, reformer course. And it was uh, given by... Uh, Portuguese trainers um, and uh, I would say I'm so happy I got that course from them because they are also international like they are traveling to Switzerland uh, so uh, so I would say if you are a professional in what you do it doesn't matter from which part of the world you come from like this knowledge the essence uh, knowledge is knowledge in any country. Yeah. Well, it, it's almost like you've taken this very practical approach to it, that you're, you're searching out education that will work for the clientele that you're working with. As you mentioned before, in, with India, um, they have a totally different lifestyle. And so that type of yeah. thing will work for them. Yeah what, a, yeah. what a beautiful perspective. What got you on the path to, uh, searching out education internationally? Because, um, uh, like, I love uh, to think that the world is an oyster. Mm. <laughs> and I, I love... Um, and you went and robbed all the pearls from all the oysters. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I love traveling, and, and I love traveling, and as you said, Let's not limit ourselves. Sky is the limit. So that's why I know that with my international certifications and background, I can live with in any country of the world and still be helping people. So this is what, what's beautiful about it. What a beautiful perspective. There are no, there's no border to it. Um, you are getting education in multiple countries and that allows you to function and work well in multiple countries. Yeah. 
What are what are some of the differences that you've seen as you've been educated? I know you mentioned the difference between uh, getting trained in India versus the United States in yoga. But what are some of the other differences that you've seen as you've uh, been educated in multiple areas? Uh, because my um, like my education is quite different. It's yoga and then it's nutrition, so it's quite. Um, like let's say this and that uh it's <laughs> they all complement each other but i haven't studied nutrition in the states so that's why i i can't really compare or judge how how it is in the states you know mm, okay so Let's talk nutrition because I, I know that that's something that you uh, have focused on and that's something that uh, as I look at your Instagram stories, you talk about your food and what you're eating. Um, a lot of nutrition is cultural, you know, and, and while the basics are the same, the science is the same with calories and macronutrients and micronutrients, there's a lot of culture, there's religion, there are a lot of influences to what people eat. Um, how do you adapt your coaching and your training to your clients' cultures and backgrounds? Well, that's super easy. I love food. I am a foodie. Mm. So once I get into a new country, I started in local food. <laughs> Big thumbs up for Miles on this one. <laughs> yeah. And then I know, like, they tell me, no, but we cannot find salads. And I'm like, oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> And I start to say the names of the salads that are on the menu. I'm like, I have been, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So you really immerse yourself in the culture and you study and you you know what's what's there. What they are talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Are there are there challenges? Do you run into challenges as you're um, working with clients from different cultures, different religions? Are, do you run into challenges where if you're prescribing something or giving recommendations uh, for eating, where people will say, I can't eat that uh, because of my culture or because of my religion? Um, the only two things that are um, forbidden in Saudi is alcohol and pork. Mm. Uh, other than that, uh, they might not eat something because of the medical condition that like or okay. because they don't like yeah but then it's it's okay i can find uh, i can find alternatives it's more about the personal challenges you know and sometimes you're like ambivalent you want to change but you don't want to change but it's mm. too scary maybe your family is not supporting supportive enough maybe you're like boosted yourself with motivation and it lasted for a very short time and now like okay so it's it's i found it um like following nutrition prescription is more personal than cultural okay w can you tell you us like one person like let's let's try to get real specific um yeah from saudi arabia let's take one client of yours that you've had tremendous success with, like one client that you can remember who came to you, um, she was a mess. And because of your training and what you've been through and everything, you've started working with her. And then all of a sudden, in a certain amount of time, you, 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 she be, you, you were successful with her based on nutrition and training. Can you think of mm -hmm. one person? 
Yeah, 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 sure, of course. Uh, I, um, let's say her name is Lulu, yeah? And when she oh. came, uh, uh, when, uh, when she came to me, she was 86 kilograms. I don't know how much that, that is in pounds. Just let me Google it. So about 170, 100, or just under 180 pounds, right? Yeah, yeah, one second. One one uh 189 189 almost 190 yeah uh yeah and then now she is below she's like 130 pounds wow wow that's that's and a lot it, of success yeah and uh i am really uh, a coach who takes time to lose weight like i know there are some extreme uh marathons and like um Oh, nutrition yeah. plans i really took her smooth and educated how to eat whatever she wants uh, and still be able, uh, and still be losing weight so it took us uh over a year maybe a year and a couple of months so she lost that weight gradually and i was very cautious about that and uh the the process was not like the straight line yeah a lot of people when they start uh, they when they want to lose weight they imagine it's like start point a and then it will drop back to point b but yeah. it's like fluctuation it's like the cardiogram of the heart yeah it's natural to <laughs> have spikes yeah yeah it's natural to have spikes if you don't have spikes you are dead so it's okay to have spikes <laughs> because uh, your water retention, whatever, maybe your is a female, maybe it's your period coming, maybe you ate too too salty food. We never know. Like strength training also, um, like uh, leads to water retention sometimes. It all depends. Or maybe she went to the like in in uh, Saudi culture. It's very common to go to social gatherings and you eat a lot. Like so, maybe after that. So I uh, I, I was really following up with her, and she was eating uh, French fries. French fries. Sorry, she likes to drink Pepsi, and she still drinks it and enjoys it. Like one can or a couple of cans per day. And of course, she uh, it's protein and fiber. And then from time to time, she can enjoy cake. She can enjoy French fries. She can enjoy burger. She can enjoy whatever she wants. And she knows how to go back on track. How in the beginning, in the beginning, what were, if you can remember, what were some of her biggest resistances coming from Saudi Arabia and you training her? What were her resistances that ultimately, obviously, you overcame to get her to be successful? But in the beginning, how did she resist you? She was like, no, Irina, um, I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> that's why I was talking about babies. Sometimes I have clients who tell me, today, I don't want to do push-ups. And I'm like, okay. And I take push-ups out of the training. And mm -hmm. that's how it is. That's oh, my coaching. Uh, that's my coaching reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you build I, some flexibility like, into it. Yeah, I might, I might give her a push movement and she would not even know that's a push movement. 
Yeah, but we will not do uh, we will not do push-ups. <laughs> like no push-ups, no push-ups. <laughs> uh, so you're a so, sneaky trainer too. <laughs> uh, kind of, yeah. The resistance. Creativity has got to be there, right? To creative, get, to yeah, get, yeah. To you get gotta, compliance, you have to be creative. Yeah, you got to be creative. Yeah, and uh, the resistance was more in the like uh, where she needed my help. The most is when um, she was following the calorie, uh, she was counting the calories, counting the calories, and then her weight spikes up like a couple of pounds up. And she was like, that's it, that's the end. Uh, why am I doing it? It's not working. So it got me some time to uh, to educate her that spikes are okay. Spikes oh, okay. are part of life. Weight yeah. will fluctuate. It's normal. Yeah. I think you gave the best definition that I've heard in a really long time where you said that the spikes are normal and if you don't have spikes, you're dead, right? Yeah. Because it's not a <laughs> right. linear path. Success is a never a linear path. There will be ups and downs with everything we do in life. Um, and if that's not the case, then you're in the grave. What a, <laughs> yeah. what a great way to, what a great way to explain that. Talk a little bit more about the, how, where do you start with clients? When you have someone come to you, how do you determine what their starting point needs to be? Whether it's increasing their movement or improving their diet or improving their flexibility, you've got education across the board. So where do you start with someone? I start with asking, uh, let's say someone comes to me, so I start with asking what would they like, what's, what is their favorite type of training, if they have been doing something, is there anything they like, they love to do, is there anything they hate doing, so it gives me, like usually people, when you start talking to people who come to the gym, and you are the coach, they will usually tell you uh, why they came. So it will be quite obvious. And then from there, once they give me, once they share with me their information, from there I will start um, moving and I am quite a gentle uh, approach coach. So I would, uh, what what I, uh, what I developed in, uh, in my trainings, I, I make people feel comfortable. You know, we are already stressed enough. We are already uh, have too much pressure at work, at home, uh, from everywhere. And then you come to the gym and uh, it's already stressful. (laughs) And then some weird challenges. So especially someone who is overweight, no way I will give like some crazy stuff, some jumps or, or burpees or you name it yeah i would start really gentle and then i would be like always following up with the person is it okay if you want to increase the intensity we can always go there if you want to stay on the same level fine if you want to like take it easy today perfect yeah i think there's a there's this overtone of compassion that i'm hearing from you um that i think is great for our listeners to understand Success is something that only happens when there's a compassionate approach. And it sounds like you really just accept people for where they're at um, when they come to you, but also on the day-to-day 
basis. And so if somebody doesn't want to do push-ups, you'll find a way to be creative and get a push movement in, but you'll mm-hmm. be compassionate and create some creativity there. And I think that's a that's an important point that hopefully our listeners can hear is that through a compassionate and creative approach, anybody can achieve success. Yeah, and that compassion comes from understanding, like, you, you know, I have never, ever seen anyone who was over 200 pounds who was happily running to me and saying like let's make some exercise today <laughs> usually <laughs> good point yeah Trade me. usually when people are overweight it means something bad was happening in their life mm. some stress maybe separation maybe death depression i i might not know the reason but i know they are in a dark place like you would not willingly go there like it's not a happy place to be right now at the moment right and i always uh you know i always when they come to me i always um uh how to say that uh, encourage them and salute them on their effort I always say, I'm so proud, proud you are here today. Yeah. That's great, great job. Great job that you came. That's a, already a huge effort. When did you know you wanted to do this? <clears throat> like when you were, you said you're from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a young girl. You're walking around Ukraine trying to figure out what you want to do, where you want to go. What was the spark that just triggered like, I want to do this. And then once you started, you realized you really knew you wanted to do it. What was the trigger? When did you start? Um, I start um, in Ukraine. I was an office girl. Like um, my parents are engineers. So for my grandma, at the moment for my grandma, I am a lost soul. Like I should have been sitting in the office right now somewhere. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not it's wow. not the path that grandma thought you because, should go <laughs> because she she uh she's very old style fashionist she's 90 years old now and she was born in 1932 uh back to the communist society so for wow. her government mm-hmm. protection and 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 staying on the government job is the best that can happen to you like ever 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 wow. so uh so she thinks uh, you're crazy doing... because you're doing your own business and you're you're yeah. exercising for a job <laughs> and teaching people to exercise for a job. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> isn't so that interesting also... that she just couldn't like just in terms of generations, the things that you're what you were able to do that she couldn't do. That's just yeah. really anyway. Go ahead and yeah, finish your story. I'm sorry. You know why? You know why? It, 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 it's because back then uh, it was very safe. Back then, yeah. what she was doing was the best. So she wants what's the best for me. And that mm. was the best for her, but it doesn't mean that's the best for me. Yeah. Because right, right. we moved on. Yeah. So it all started like at, in Ukraine, I had office of this job. Then I went uh, for a vacation to Egypt. And there I, feel, I met my future husband, who was ex-husband, who was Mexican. Mm. So he invited me to come and visit him in Mexico. I went for a couple of weeks and that's how <laughs> I moved and stayed and <laughs> got married nice. in Mexico. So, and uh, before I moved to Mexico, I was doing for some time, 
I was just going to yoga studio and I did, I was really liking it. But then I, when I moved to Mexico, I, I, I didn't speak Spanish. So my, my only like escape, um, and, uh, my happy place uh, was yoga studios. So I was going to yoga studios mm. in the morning and in the evening. <laughs> I didn't know Spanish. I didn't know Spanish. I knew the moves. So uh, I was coming, 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 and then to the point where I decided I want to go to India from the to the motherland of yoga, and I want to study this thing that this guy that teaching me. I wow, want to do wow. that too. Yeah. So wow. the yoga became the safe space for you while you were in a new country. Yeah. This became the thing yeah. that you would yeah. go back to to feel comfortable. And then that sparked the interest to say, okay, let me peel the onion layers back. And I want to go to where yeah. this originated. And you went to India. What motivates you now to continue your education? And where uh, do you want to go? The, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right now, the more I know, the, the more I know, I, I know, like, I need to know more. Like, that's it. Like, I and fitness industry and the knowledge and the latest research is constantly changing like our knowledge about fitness 20 years ago is not the same as now Uh, and the ways how we address issues is not the same and uh like and communicating with people and working with people gives me new challenges there's always someone uh i have to like find something new or think about like being even more creative or how to like make these uh people with different sorts of injuries so it it, yeah it always like drives me yeah i think that's on your instagram page yeah go for it russ i noticed on your instagram page um particularly in a place i think it's called kobar mm-hmm you 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 are dressed in phenomenal looking clothing and i was wondering if that clothing did when you go into a yoga studio in saudi arabia do they have to Mm -hmm. dress a particular way or was i looking at the kind of clothing that people might i mean it might be a silly question but the kind of clothing that people might wear at a yoga studio because some of it was stunning uh, that is a traditional Saudi dress and it's called abaya and again this is for ladies only That's so uh, uh, right now I did see some stuff moment, that I would wear <laughs> 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 That's great. so uh, outside on the streets females, uh, females uh, should wear they cover the bodies uh for expats it's not a compulsory thing to do i like to blend into the culture that's why when i was in india i was buying myself uh, indian clothes so uh, i was dressing like indian uh here i like to blend myself and and put this uh, very nice culture uh, traditional and cultural bias but at the moment still Male fitness and female fitness, they are separated. So when you will, you will go to the male gym, you will not see females there and vice versa. It's segregated still. Is that, and, and that's I across am, the country? So you, do that's you not? across the country. 
And you are talking to the, I am working at the moment in the gym. It's the first gym in Saudi Arabia. It's kind of a luxury gym, uh, which is uh, mixed. So we have both, really? both male and female coaches and both males and females training. Yeah. So it's the uh, first gym in Saudi Arabia. It's the Arabia. first gym in wow. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And I'm making wow. history. <laughs> That's impressive. Well, okay. That is, so that is, first. That is Miles, impressive. Miles. Yeah, I know. Our, our, egos, our egos have got to be even bigger because not only is <laughs> Irina the first uh, international guest we've had, but now we have the person who is the first coach in the first gym in Saudi Arabia that's, that's mixed male and female. Co-ed. She cracked the code. Dropped the, the mic. Hundreds of years that everybody has been trying to crack the code, yes. you come in and crack the code. <laughs> that's impressive. This yeah, is the best I podcast the we've ever had right here. Absolutely. Thank you. It. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, that Irina, is super I, impressive. I want to I want to uh, shift a little bit. I know you've been studying functional neurology, and this is something that you had mentioned uh, has become a passion of yours because it has helped you to heal from an injury. So, for our listeners who have not heard about functional neurology, what is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, functional uh, neurology. It's a combination of things. Uh, it's a combination of things. It's a uh, uh, it is a subject that um, studies how brain can influence our movement and how the movement can influence our brain. Because everything is connected in our brain and uh, in the brain we have different areas which respond to different types of activity. For example, we have frontal lobe. Mm-hmm. Uh, frontal lobe is responsible for movement. Then we have occipital lobe vision, yeah, uh, parietal lobe. So how with just moving our eyes and keeping our head still, eyes side to side, up, down, in the diagonal, how it can affect our movement? And it does affect. Uh, For example, for people with seizures, this is quite recent. Like this functional neurology thing is quite recent. recent, And it, it offers more gentle approach to recovery, like which is more extended in time, but it's very effective, which, uh, which I experienced myself. And so how did you get uh, into this? How did you start studying it? Uh, like I got, um, I got injury in my neck. It, uh, it was cervical hernia and I could not, literally I could not move my neck so I went to the hospital. hospital. Hospitals offer very traditional approach. So doctor would usually give you medications with any type of uh, pain in your spine, let's say, or mm-hmm. hips or knees. Like usually when you come with uh, any pain, uh, doctor gives you medications to lower the pain down. And they, then you go to physical therapy, which might include like ultrasound or electromuscular stimulation and sometimes some exercises uh, like for example move my neck to to the shoulder to the shoulder rotate side side and that's it so i was doing my physical therapy i was doing the exercises and i'm a very good uh, patient to work with because i know it's not about 
uh, ultrasound because ultrasound will will last 10 sessions yeah mm. for let's say 10-15 right. minutes and then how would I deal how how would I recover myself it's that changing of my lifestyle changing of the movement pattern so those are the exercises like actually the exercises are the most important part and these type of exercises I'm not sure how in the state but in Saudi the protocol of the exercises for rehabilitating patients with hernia, so chronic pain, are very uh, outdated, are very old. It's same side side, from shoulder to shoulder, that's it. What about complex movement? What about the rotations? Uh, what about uh, the, usually, uh, what was the cause of my injury? Mm-hmm. So, it's still the same Not way in the United States. This allopathic medicine approach of medication and these old basic exercises, it's, it's very much the same. And part of the reason why it's the same here in the United States is because the organizations that pay for people's physical therapy, that pay for the rehab, um, they prescribe those exercises and they say, these are the things that are approved. And so if you go to a physical therapist, um, even though they may know that other modalities would be beneficial, they can't always prescribe that. Otherwise they don't get paid. So uh, I would say it's still outdated here in the U S as well. So how did this lead you to this idea of functional neurology? I found, uh, I found, so, so I was like, I, I I saw that my improvement was very uh, small, so I'm like I need to do something about it, and uh, I am now talking to everyone with the pain in the knee, in the spine, in the anywhere doesn't matter. If you have pain there and your doctor did something and it didn't work, don't live with the pain. You are responsible for yourself go find another doctor because from one doctor to another they might say quite opposite things you would be surprised and then uh like if you are really focused into um like recovering yourself you will find a solution so i went on youtube and i found uh youtube videos from they call themselves this guy the health academy and uh, and their videos helped me tremendously, tremendously. And these videos are free of charge, free of charge there on YouTube. And I'm like, oh my God, this is gold. This knowledge is gold. It actually can, can, <laughs> can save lives. Yeah, I would say yeah. that. <clears throat> And so as as you've applied some of this, what are some of the things that you've learned? How has this affected your body and your mind? um, Like now I am more into like one of the things um, I learned, uh, like, uh, let me ask you this question. What is the difference between an athlete performing a deadlift and and uh, just the usual person like a gym member doing deadlift what what is the difference it's the same exercise but what is the difference mm. yeah that's a great question i w- i would say the athlete has 
an end goal that they're going for. The deadlift is a tool and a resource that will lead to uh, hopefully better performance on the field. Whereas a regular person looks at that exercise and says, this is something that I do uh, for maybe a different result. Maybe they want to get stronger or lose weight, or it's just something they have to do. Yeah. So but let's, that, that would be my yeah, perspective. Yeah. Let's say we put uh, Olympic champion in powerlifting doing a deadlift mm -hmm. and just a normal gym member who comes to gym two or three times per week. We put them together and they tell them to do deadlift. What would be the difference between them? It's the same uh, exercise. I got you. So the the neural pathways for the athlete are much more efficient. They've developed the strength through improved neural pathway, through better coordination. And over all of these years, it's not just that they have strength because the muscle, the, the, the filaments of the muscle are working, but they have developed the neural pathways that allow them to uh, to perform better. And so the movement tends to be more efficient because of the practice. And the more stabilized, okay. ner their, their bodies are more stabilized because of their nervous system's development. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's better coordination, efficient mm -hmm. movement and better stability, right? right? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So we can say that their movement is smoother. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, sure, yeah, I would agree. And uh, we can say that they have mastered this type of movement at an elite level. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. same movement, yeah. basic right. deadlift. So then, the best thing that I, that I learned from the course is that everyone is an athlete. We can all master the basics uh, at an elite level. Mm. <laughs> it switched my my mind. It's like switched my perspective, like, oh, 360 degrees. Well, it's a great perspective. I mean, and I, I agree with you 100%. I actually used to teach my clients this who were not athletes that through repetition, they can develop the coordination and the, uh, the skill to be very good at what they do. Now, there are limitations. We all have certain limitations. I mean, <clears throat> at five foot seven, five foot eight, I was never destined to play in the uh, the National Basketball Association, regardless of how good I would have been able to get at my shooting or dribbling, but I, it, it, the, the odds were against me. But to your point, we can all improve on anything that we practice over and over again. So what a beautiful perspective. Um, yes. With that, with yeah. that mental shift, how has that changed your training with your clients? How has that changed the effect or the result? It, it gave me even more <laughs> patience. <laughs> ah, it gave me even okay. more patience because I got even uh, uh, I I got more uh, more tools. I got more tools from functional neurology. Like even this, like moving your wrist in circles, is already an exercise. Mm. That's already an exercise. So it gave me so much, like uh, like un unlimited like uh, variations of the exercise I can do if they 
for example, uh, don't want to move some part of the body, how can I move it? How can I stretch them? So like it widened my, um, the way how I work with people. For our listeners, I just want to restate what you said, because I think what you just said is ridiculously powerful. You, the question was, based on your paradigm shift, a change in perspective, what have you learned? And you said, I learned patience. Mm. I, I think our <laughs> listeners really need to understand that. You know, you didn't say sometimes when people have a paradigm shift and then they go on this long answer about, and this is that you said, I learned patience because it was such a shift in perspective that it pulled you back to almost go back in a different way. And to do that, you need to be patient. I think that was a stunning answer. I think we kind of glossed over it and I'm glad that I made us come back to it and talk about it in that way. I think that was very powerful. Now my ego is flying up. You know, listen, we, we, we have, um, I have some friends in New York City and we used to do this thing where you had to ask permission to allow your ego to just go crazy. So we, we'd literally <laughs> ask each other, can I have a minute, please? Could you grant me a minute? And we'd say yes. And then you would go and s- explain whatever it is that made your ex- ego explode. You are granted any amount of time to let your ego explode. Because you've said some wonderful up. things tonight. You said some wonderful things. Yes. yes. Let your ego shine, woman. <laughs> I, think, I think there's Thank even more. Yeah, I think there's even more to it. When you said those simple, uh, you, you, you expanded your perspective. And I agree with Miles. I think the patience piece is beautiful. I go back to uh, Jack LaLanne, who was one of the pioneers <laughs> in fitness. Yep. It early, I, I can't even remember when he was born. I think he passed away 15, 20 years ago. But yeah. he had a television program and he would do <laughs> some of these simple exercises. When you're talking about rotating the hand and he would do some of these simple things. I remember that. And that guy, it was unbelievable. Every year he had a different challenge that he was doing for his birthday. One time it was uh, crossing the English Channel while pulling... Uh, what was it, 40 or 50 boats behind him because that was the age that he was. And we have far too often narrowed our focus when it comes to health and fitness and wellness. And what you just did, Arena, was you said, I had this opening, this different perspective, this paradigm shift. And now I think of everything as movement. I think of everything as an option. And not only is patience part of it, but you've really opened your mind up to the fact that the basics work and let's not limit ourselves to the things that don't work. What a beautiful, practical way of yeah. doing this. So yeah, yeah, let that ego fly. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm extremely fascinated by that. And uh, you've, you've really sparked my interest uh, to learning more about this functional neurology. So as soon as we get off the podcast, I'm, I'm diving into that. Please, uh, um, I, will, I will text you with the, the link uh, to their YouTube channel. Yes, uh, please do. And I would, if uh, you don't mind, I would also like to add the effective dose of fitness, the effective dose of exercise. Like with medicine, uh, we would never ever like take, take 20 pills of Panadol to treat our headache 
right? Mm, or just right. scrap, sc- <laughs> scratch a little bit of the peel and take like a bit of powder, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to treat yeah. our headache. Yeah. So an um, exercise is the same. Uh, too much of the exercise can actually harm you. Maybe you won't mm-hmm. die here and now, but in the long term, it can uh, bring you more de- damage than good, bring you more harm than well-being. If it will be too, the dose will be too low, it won't affect you that much. So the question is, what is effective dose for me? What is effective dose for my client? Because effective mm-hmm. dose for me is quite different from what my client needs. And I do remember... Uh, like everyone talks about the success. I wanted to mention that I had a client and she had um, a quite uh, quite uh, defined kyphosis. Her shoulders were turned in and she was sitting long hours. Uh, she, she is a doctor and she was sitting long hours. And I <clears throat> wanted to make her strong. So I was giving her like uh, strength and burpees and she was hating it, but and then she was doing that. And then at some uh, point, I decided to switch her program and make it really gentle stretch wise, mm-hmm. gentle stretch wise with uh, less weight. And she improved in three months her kyphosis like it's she was another person and then i saw what is good for someone might not be good for someone else like um and it's it, it never ceases to amaze me how different we are how different yeah. we are well an exercise and fitness should be a balance to whatever someone's chosen lifestyle is you know doctors work a lot of hours they have a lot of stress and so balancing that and recognizing that this is her chosen profession and her chosen lifestyle it's a beautiful way to adjust the dosage so that the stress that's happening is maybe minimal rather than these difficult burpees. I, what, what an insightful way to uh, to uh, program. Because I was training her like for five, six months and I was not seeing that much progress. I'm like, she should be looking and she should be much stronger by now, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and then I'm like, uh, and then uh, I had another client who was loving jumping and uh, doing burpees and some high-intensity trainings combined with strength and he was all in tune and he was great getting a great result from that uh, uh, so that that made me think uh, maybe I should change something because if I continue like that I would not see change and I, I really um, I really care about the progress my clients make but I think it's another example uh, arena of for our listeners that it's it's important to hire a coach You know, I always say that I don't do my own taxes because I don't enjoy learning about the tax code and understanding how to do my taxes each year. And so I pay somebody to do my taxes for me. Um, And I want uh, I want our listeners to look at this and say that there are experts out there like you 
that can provide programming and provide coaching that they would not be able to do on their own. And they should not be able to do on their own because they have a life that they want to live and they need somebody to coach them. Uh, what, a, what a great, uh, great perspective. Well, Irina, we are coming up on our time and I want to shift quickly to our rapid fire questions. Wait, wait, um, before we go to rapid fire, I have one last question. And all right, go for just it. Just a quickie. Um, are you a painter? Do you paint? Yeah, I do paint. Mm. Yeah, because I, I was looking at a lot of your art and, and it was really just colorful and wonderful and beautiful. I, I just want to get <laughs> to see if you were doing that or you found an artist that you like, but it's yours. That's beautiful. It's mine. Yeah. And I started painting in India. And back then in India, I met uh, a Russian painter, a lady, and she impressed me so much and she inspired me. She said, you know, Irina, the only difference between painter and the, the non-painter is that the painter paints. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Very practical, but it's true. You know, we're all creative in our own way. And um, yeah. I've always, I've said the same thing as a as a artist that loves to draw and paint myself. I I, I feel the same way. That's that's the only difference. Hey, would you like marry me for five minutes so I can just and we get a divorce and I could just tell everybody <laughs> I was once I was once married to one of the most powerful women on the planet. I just want to be able to tell. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, our first proposal Miles. on the Evolve podcast. I love you. I love you, Miles. Where do uh, I that's sign? That's great. That's great. <laughs> There's our first marriage proposal on the podcast. <laughs> well, Arena, I want to jump into the rapid fire. Um, so with the rapid fire questions, we um, I'll ask you a question. And so in one word or one phrase, how would you answer these questions? Are you ready to go? Ready. All right, so let's talk disruption. How do you disrupt your life in order to spark new growth? Recharge, I recharge. Okay. As you have evolved over the years, what is something that you used to believe that you no longer do? Um, um. That's, uh, that's a good one. Mm. That I'm not good enough. Mm. Beautiful answer. If you could go back 10 years and give your former self advice, what would push your evolution forward quicker? I would say you go girl, no regrets. Beautiful answer. Well, nice. Irina, final question for you, and this is not part of the rapid fire, so take your time on this one. At Evolve, we believe that people evolve their lives by stacking one simple habit on top of another. It doesn't have to be hard, it just has to be consistent. What do you think is the most important habit that you want our listeners to build from? I know. Uh, for me, the most important habit is to love myself. Beautiful answer. And choose to love myself every day. Less, judge less. Uh, punish myself less. 
feel less guilt about something I do or I don't do and just uh, accept and allow myself to do the mistakes. Yeah, beautiful answer. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. I want to thank our guest, Irina Ivanchenko, for joining us today and my co-host, W. Miles Riley. Uh, Irina, you're doing some amazing things. How do really? people stay in contact with you and follow your continued growth and evolution? Where do they find you? Um mostly on instagram now i started like uh, also posting on linkedin and i got quite quite popular on tiktok i got sixteen thousand followers in just three months by posting morning wow. and evening consistently yeah TikTok, i love tiktok because it's very dynamic hmm. it's very dynamic and uh, yeah so what is what's your handle on instagram and tiktok so people can follow you um sure I, I think i will leave it uh, i'll send it to you so okay. my yeah. uh, the links to my social media so if you are interested in knowing me better uh, or uh, like asking me something i'd be happy and i'd love to help great we'll put that in the show notes well irena once again thank you so much for joining us uh, what a pleasure it's been to have you on the podcast oh. Yeah, uh, tremendous pleasure. Beautiful, beautiful episode and our our first international uh, podcast and our first marriage proposal on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Before Valent on Valentine's Day. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. I didn't even think about that. Happy yeah, Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Valentine's weekend. <laughs> And for our listeners, uh, remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve, but first you have to disrupt. But now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.